This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast that covers the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore. And this week, we do another of our round downs across the episodes and movies and look at the Star Trek guest stars that made it in Hollywood as their careers expanded over the years. Yeah, you know, looking back, we found quite a bit of celebrities that did very well and had long careers in a very volatile industry. To qualify a little bit on this list, though, Zach, we, we looked at successful careers, not necessarily those who were A-listers. Yeah, this is important because we don't want to upset those celebrities, you know, listening to our podcast, Ken. Well, that's an excellent point. We certainly don't want anyone to be upset. As you know, their agents will be calling us and creating all sorts of trouble. And uh, speaking of that, have you spoken to your agent recently? Uh, you know, not recently. You know, once Chris Jones agreed to the uh, favored nations clause uh, that ensures if one of us gets an increase or an opportunity, we both get it, uh, I was good. Oh, that's excellent. That's important. I, I feel better now that I can leech, I mean, uh, receive and earn, you know, rewards based on your, uh, uh, I mean, our work. Anyway. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> well, time to leave orbit and set course down our episodes and explore the human stars from the Star Trek galaxy. And we're starting with uh, where no man has gone before. And the two guest stars in this one were Gary Lockwood and Sally Kellerman. And uh, they they both did very, very well in Hollywood. Gary Lockwood more short-term afterwards, but Sally Kellerman had a, a, pretty, a pretty long career afterwards. What are your thoughts there, Zach? So Gary Lockwood, I best know him from 2001, The Space Odyssey, which was almost a contemporary of Star Trek. As you said, he you know hit it big kind of immediately afterward and then kind of faded off as time went on. And it's interesting because, you know, 2001 A Space Odyssey was made just a couple years after where no man has gone before. And the special effects are just blown away, right? So it's, it's interesting. You, you see contemporary Gary Lockwood from the 60s on Star Trek. And then in 2001, you're like, wow, that's the same guy in the same time period. This was going on in the movie. So uh, to me, it's it just seeing him in both of those just kind of shows uh, what a quantum leap in effects and production value that 2001 was. But I think he's a he's a great actor. He's very natural. You know, he seems like he's just, you know, doing his thing. As I've said, where no am has gone before is my favorite episode, the original series. And the guest stars are a big part of it. They add to a realness of the world. So, so Lockwood, as far as Sally Kelly, Sally Kellerman goes, <laughs> I know her best from MASH, the movie. Uh, Hot Lips, Hulahand. <laughs> and, uh, 
And and you know, I don't really know much else that she did after that. Can what what else did she go on to do after Mash? Probably the most recent bigger movie, and it's not that recent anymore. Was was Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. She was the uh, the the female lead in that as as the professor, but she has been in a lot of films. So if you if you look up in her her database, you'll you'll see she pops up quite often. She was and she is. I, I saw her in Las Vegas, and and what a handsome, dignified woman she is. She has a very distinct voice that that sounds very sophisticated when she speaks, and that's I think why she probably played the professor that she did in in that movie. So. Yeah, Sally's been um, a, a big in the in the 70s. You would see her on a lot of uh, TV shows, guest starring and so forth, and, and then in a lot of movie roles as well. So she she did very well, and she's still around. Both Gary Lockwood and Sally Kellerman are still around. And we, like I said, we saw them in Las Vegas. Sally, um, you know, looking good. Gary, well, he's still funny. <laughs> that guy, he can tell a story. Like, if there's anyone... That has an ego, perhaps as big as William Shatner, Gary Lockwood does. But I'm, I don't know if Lockwood has the uh, the goods to back it up, so to speak. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have the trophy shelf to brag about like Shatner does. But man, those guys—they're funny guys, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, they are. They are. He, he did a great job, and uh, he was he was enjoyable. Yeah, and, and you know when you when you go to these conventions and you see them in the autograph room, they're a, they're a lot of fun just to talk with. They'll they'll strike up a conversation with you. Right. It's crazy, though. I mean, these guys were the special guest stars of, at the time, you know, the first episode of Star Trek, uh, of, the, of the new era of Star Trek, the William Shatner era of Star Trek. And that was over 50 years ago. And they're still coming out, talking, going to conventions, talking about stories. And, and as you said, they're still with us. And that's great that they are, are, are still around and still you know, able to go out and do these things and have the recall and, and, and be as lively, engaging as they are. Because, you know, we saw that panel and I don't know, sometimes it got a lot of control, but <laughs> for the most part, it was a very entertaining panel seeing the two of them. And hey, let's not forget, Sally Carolman was an Oscar nominee for her role on MASH. So that's, that's big time, Academy Award nomination right there. Yeah, yeah, she, like I said, she's a classy woman, beautiful, dignified, great actress, and, and just a great person. Just from talking to her a little bit that I did when I was there, I thought uh, she she came across very, very well and just had this very... I don't know what the what the austere. She she was very um very proper but very kind, very polite. So a lot of fun. So are we ready to move on? Yep, let's move on to what are little girls made of. Now this is another kind of contemporary stardom, much like Gary Lockwood had in the sixties. Uh Ted Cassidy played Ruck. Uh he at the same time or just beforehand, he was playing Lurch on the Adams family. Uh so he would kind of typecast as the as the muscle, <laughs> right? <laughs> awesome voice though. Well, his voice was used a lot throughout the series, wasn't it? And then I think, it, you know, you would see him pop up quite a bit. Uh, and he he lasted quite a while in Hollywood. I mean, he was always the big guy. There was no doubt about it. But And he was typecast. But I would say that his career was, quote unquote, successful overall. Yeah, I mean, he unfortunately died, I believe it was in the late 70s. Was it? I mean, he didn't. He didn't live very long. It might have been. And this is just my conjecture. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're. Uh, a bigger guy, you know, just tall. I mean, the guy, gosh, he was well. He's probably almost seven feet tall, right? So, I mean, sometimes, oh, yeah, you know, huge, you yeah. know, arteries and you have heart problems. You're that big. And you know, Andre the Giant had similar issues. So, uh, I'm not entirely sure why he passed away at a, at a younger age, but uh, but a great loss because man, he was such a cool genre guy. Just his voice, Star Trek took advantage of it several times. Uh, he was, as I've said before, talking about Tech Acid, he was the voice of Godzilla. <laughs> In the Godzilla cartoon, why they chose a voice actor instead of a sound effect is beyond me. But again, I, I will again refer you all 
to the 1970s Godzilla cartoon where Godzilla sounds like this. <laughs> like, that's literally what it sounds like, guys. Go check it out. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Until I know you've all checked it out for yourselves, I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> but <laughs> Take Cassidy, man. And what, just what an imposing guy. Like, I think if Take Cassidy, uh, you know, had lived the longer, he might have been a great, you know, James Bond uh, henchman, right? Kind of like, you know, Dave Batista is today or, you know, um, uh, Richard Kiley was. Richard Keel. Uh, yeah. Richard Keel was Keel. as, as yeah. Jaws, you know, back in the day. Just just a very imposing, memorable guy. And, uh, and yeah, and he, he, a lot of his early days were, were spent on Star Trek. You sure were. He did well. All right, let's move on to Miri. Are you familiar with Michael J. Pollard? I am familiar with him because, listen up, guys, because he, he was Mr. <laughs> Mixes Pedelic on Superboy, the TV series. <laughs> there was a Superman TV show called Superboy in the 80s and 90s. Now, it is the forgotten Superman property. Everybody knows, well, I would like to think everybody knows Smallville because, you know. They better damn well know <laughs> you Smallville. listen to this show. That's right. Um, if we have to start taking a ride out to talk to these people, we will. <laughs> so there's Smallville in the 2000s. Before that was Lois and Clark with Dean Kane and Terry Asher. But before that, and after the Christopher Reeve films, there was Superboy. ran for four seasons in syndication. And, uh, yeah, Michael J. Pollard was Mr. Mixes Fiddlick on that. And he was just this goofy... Uh, fifth dimension imp that came in and and bothered Superboy. So that's what I that's what I know him from, Ken. Yeah, you know, I I didn't see the show, but it, what a perfect cast for that that was cast perfectly. I know the character from the comic book and 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 his attributes, and I was like, man, that is that is spot on. But if you've seen Scrooge, he plays a, um, a homeless guy who freezes to death, and he also was in uh, one of my favorite movies called Roxanne with. Um, Steve Martin, and he plays Andy, who's a firefighter in that, you know, just kind of this, this low-key guy and, you know, volunteer firefighter, had some of the uh, the better lines and just a few scenes here and there, but he, he really stole the show. So he's, he's a very talented guy, but again, a very distinct voice, very distinct appearance. You'd know him once you saw him because he's been around for quite a while. And uh, he, he, did a, he did a really good job in those films. And he, you know, I know a lot of people don't like Miri very much, but he, he did a good job in that role. Well, speaking of Miri, uh, the actress who played the title character, Kim Darby, uh, went on right after Star Trek again, contemporary stardom, immediately afterward. Uh, she mm-hmm. went on to be in True Grit with John Wayne. So that's big time, I'd say. I would say so, yeah. I don't know much about Kim Darby beyond that, but... I, I know she was in one of the Halloween movies, um, one of the later ones, like uh, post-Jamie Lee Curtis era. <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, that's... That's too bad, yeah, I guess. Uh, so, yeah, but but hey, you know, still, movie with John Wayne, put that on your resume. Hey, George C- hey, that's George DK, <laughs> it's in one, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the only thing I know that he did outside of Star Trek, so <laughs> there we are. And, of course, I was just in Thailand filming our version of the Green Berets, so, I, you know, Indeed. it all comes together. Indeed, you were, sir. So, moving on to our next episode, The Corbin Knight Maneuver. Now, there's been a lot of talk about the... Uh, Ron Howard recently taking over the Han Solo solo film. See how I did there, right? Uh, and but his brother Clint Howard has been right there with him all along the way. Um, and now he was the human face of Baylock at the end, uh, overdubbed by the way by someone else. That wasn't Clint Howard's voice at the end. It was very, it's very unsettling. See, like a child uh, with an adult's voice, and uh, I mean that was kind of the point. And I yeah, a little cheesy, but I think it worked pretty well. And he's. Let's face it, guys. He's a weird-looking guy. He's just kind of weird-looking guy. has has a memorable face, and it worked well to be, you know, an alien. I don't, I don't know which one was scarier, 
Can Baylock the puppet or Baylock the Clint Howard version? <laughs> I think it was the latter. I have to say. <laughs> oh boy, uh, but uh, yeah. So and he, uh, you know, I, I'll just say this: uh, he's probably happy that his brother went on to such famous success, or he might not still be in the public consciousness the way he is because he he cameos in a lot of Ron Howard movies. Um, he's like you know he was in an episode of D Space Nine, uh, past tense, uh, when uh, Cisco mm-hmm. Bashir and uh, Dax go back in time. Uh, I know he was in like you know the Water Boy. Right? I mean, he just he just pops up in a lot of stuff, uh, probably because you know of his brother. Just saying. So, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I, I think Ron Howard's first first movie was Night Shift, and and he had a small role in that. And then from there, you're right. He he was always popping up. It didn't matter what it was. Puddle Thirteen. <laughs> right. Would, yeah. His his brother took care of him. I guess from that from that that point of view. But Clint can act. There's no doubt about it. And and. He was, um, he's, he's done well and boy, you know, I mean, his, his brother has certainly been, you know, I guess a a triple A lister, a lister from, from, you know, once Opie Taylor and then Richie Cunningham. And now look at him. Uh, It's, it's incredible just to see where, where his, how far his star has risen. And he, he pulled Clint along with him, which is what good brothers do, I guess. And I believe Clint Howard went on to play a freeing in the Enterprise episode Acquisition, which I love so much. (laughs) (laughs) But moving on. Uh, Court Marshall. Moving on. Court Marshall. Tracy Rodriguez. Now, this is an actor I'm not that familiar with, Ken. I think this might be a generational thing. But what are your thoughts on Percy Rodriguez? Well, Percy Rodriguez, who played Commodore Stone in Court Marshall... He went on mostly because of his voice. Now, he, he did a lot of TV and, 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 and some movies, but what he is really famous for, Zach, is in the 70s and 80s, he had this deep voice, and he would do movie trailers. And his most famous one was for Jaws. Oh. And if you, ever, if you listen to the YouTube version, there's, there's, there's a two or three minute it, you know, one that they ran in, in the theaters and it and it's just incredible. And the, and Jaws being my favorite movie of all time, uh, you know, I've dug into this film and have seen some interviews with with Percy Rodriguez. And it was interesting because he talks about how they first wanted him to do it and he convinces him to do it this way, more subtle and so much more imposing. So his his voice, like uh, James Earl Jones, very distinct, very deep. And it, it it can bring a lot of thrills, uh, chills to you. So he did a lot of movies in the 70s and, and 80s. And like I said, if you YouTube his name and you look at some of the voices and, and some of the trailers that he did, for some of the folks that are you know, a little older, not, not necessarily have to be as old as I do, I am, but if you if you saw a lot of movies in the 80s or you're in the theater, you, you would know his voice instantly just by going back and listening to it. So, but check out that Jaws uh, trailer on YouTube. I, I will. That's, I didn't know Jaws. It's pretty I wild. I Jaws was your favorite movie of all time, Ken. That's interesting. It is my favorite movie of all time. Yes, yes. I, and, I, I um, recently saw Jaws uh, on the water. Uh, Alan Draft House, this thing called Jaws. I was so jealous I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> so they have this thing, uh, tangent, standard, standard urban tangent. Uh, Here we Alan go. Draft House, which is a popular... Um, a food and beverage movie house. Uh, I guess that's the best way to describe it. Uh, in uh, in Texas, I, I, I don't know if they exist outside the Alamo. Of course, referencing the Alamo from Texas. Remember the Alamo? 
so they put on lots of special presentations about films at, at certain times and tie into certain things. And anyway, they have this thing called Jaws on the Water, and they have it in Austin, the capital of Texas. I love going to Austin. I go there a lot. So I went up there, watched it on on a uh, on a lake in Austin. They give you an inner tube. They give you it's it's not it's not cheap, okay, guys. But it's it's all about the experience. So <laughs> I have this giant inner tube now, like that I'm gonna just put in my storage unit because I don't want to deflate it. But it's really cool, and I'm gonna bring it whenever I go to the beach or whatever. Uh, so you get an inner mm-hmm. tube. It's got Jaws on it. They project Jaws on this giant screen. You're in the you're in the water with like you know hundreds of people just watching it. So it's it's a very just uh, visceral experience because you're on the water. And then they have scuba divers like swim around and and mess with you and you know during the movie. So it's it's a very cool interactive experience. And I really enjoyed it. And if you know if you haven't seen Jaws, I don't know I don't know why you haven't seen Jaws because it is one of the greatest films of all time. Uh, Spielberg's probably arguably the greatest director of all time for many reasons. But anyway. That's the one that put Spielberg on the map. It made modern blockbusters, so definitely Jaws. And hey, maybe as many people wouldn't have gone to see it if not for Percy Rodriguez's awesome trailer narration. I'll have to check that out for sure, Ken. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it was it was made here in New England, on Martha's Vineyard, and um, boy, it had quite an impact on me and my family, and of course, a, a ton of other movie directors. And uh, there's a great documentary called "The Shark Is Still Working." If you ever want to catch it, and it's got Brian Singer, Kevin Smith. All these different, Paul Rodriguez, you name it, all these different directors who got into making movies because of Jaws and its impact. So that's the name of that tangent. We'll go on. But that's why I had to list Percy Rodriguez because of his impact. But in fairness, he was very, very popular in in that time. More behind the scenes than in front of the camera, but impactful nonetheless. Well, you want to talk about an awesome voice. Let's move on to our next guest star Mm -hmm. from Space Seed, Ricardo Montalban. I mean... What can be said about Ricardo Montalban? The guy's an icon, and uh, I know him best outside of this from his role in the Planet of the Apes movies, the original Planet of the Apes series. He was in two. He was in Escape from the Planet of the Apes and Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and uh, he helps out uh, Caesar, uh, the uh, child of Cornelius and Zero. See, I'm a nerd on other things, too, guys. It's just... <laughs> uh, and he has just a nice, small role, but a memorable role. And then, of course, for the greater world, I'm sure they know him best from Fantasy Island, right, Ken? Fantasy Island, definitely. Then he got he got kind of a, a rebirth in popularity, too, after Star Trek II. I think people didn't realize just how talented an actor he was. And, you know, he started popping up in all kinds of little bit parts here and there. But uh, I remember him from Naked Gun. I remember him from the Spy Kids movies. <laughs> the Spy Kids uh, movies. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, he was around. <laughs> yeah. He was around. No, I remember know? that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and and he's just a. It's funny too if you if you see interviews with with him, he is such a great speaker, very eloquent, and you know he, he's just got a he's he's just got a very strong character about him, and he just he just draws you in. So as as the Wrath of Khan is many many people's favorite Star Trek movie, it's because of Ricardo Montalban. So his his uh, his success too. He was also big. He was a spokesperson for Chrysler for years in the late seventies and eighties. He, his his tagline was like rich Corinthian leather, and no one could say I wouldn't even attempt to imitate it. No one could say it like he could, but it just it just was like yeah, that's an elegant car just because of the way he said it. <laughs> it was perfect. So yeah, he he did he did very very well. Yeah, and he was a multi talented guy. I mean, he could dance. I think he could could he sing too? Maybe. I don't know. He's just just a multifaceted guy, like a five tool player, as they say in baseball. You know, just across the board in entertainment. So. Uh, just a great talent and very happy to have him part of, out of the Star Trek family. And more iconic than you know, most of the rest of these guys because he returned as his character on the big screen, which no one else did, uh, you know, outside of the, the original cast and crew 
themselves as right. returning guest star in the movie. So Ricardo Montalban, man, the best con. But we'll get to the other con later on. Uh, the next episode, <laughs> the next okay. episode we'll talk about is Aaron of Mercy, uh, John Calicos, which we just, we just talked about Aaron of Mercy, uh, Stan Herbert 179. I had your sash, uh, with, uh, Trek FM content manager, Justin Oster. Fun conversation there. This may be the very first time you remembered an episode. <laughs> well, it was, I am impressed. It was the last I know it was one. just last week. I know that. <laughs> it was the last one. So. I got to have a little fun with you there. As I look over to like, okay, this is 180. So last week must have been 179. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we talk a lot about uh, his character core in that episode and iconic kind of to find the, the Cleons moving on. Uh, forward from there but you know john calicos to me uh i know him best as core and then he returned as you know uh, as core three times in d space nine but outside of that i know him as the original baltar on the original mm-hmm. Battlestar galactica so but before he before played... the uh, before the dr bashir doppelganger played baltar on the new Battlestar galactica there was john calicos on the old one so <laughs> oh yeah you know he was a big time character actor always played the heavy bad guy always did it well too so i remember you know, he guest starred on every show you can think of and anytime he could land like he did with Battlestar galactica for a season uh he took advantage of it but yeah very very distinct actor and and very very common growing up with him and obviously he was kind of typecast into the villainous roles but Dang it, man! He played him so well. I mean, he just—he had a look about him, uh, a, a very distinct approach to things, and and he just, yeah. I, I really like John Calicos. I I uh, got a lot out of listening to you and Justin last week, just talking about that he was slated to be in a number of Star Trek episodes, and you know the fact that that didn't happen is probably a blessing and a curse for for him and whatnot. But he was always a very strong very active working actor. You know, he, he was always busy. And that's in Hollywood. If you're not an A-lister, you know, you, you just you just keep driving, you keep going. And uh, he, he had a he had a pretty good career. I'll tell you, I also had a really good career. Joan Collins mm-hmm. from City on the Edge of Forever. Uh, this is she did all one right. of her earlier roles. I'm not sure exactly of her filmography, what she had done before this, but uh, obviously to me, this is what put her on the map. And uh, and, you know, I know my uh, my parents used to tell me stories, Ken, but perhaps you can inform me that uh, she was in Dynasty back in the day. That was like a big deal in the 80s. But may, pra- tell me about the 80s, Uncle Ken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Zach, I shall. Yes, Dynasty was, it was ABC's answer to Dallas is what it was. So it, it was a, 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 a soap opera, a, a primetime soap opera, and she was the, the lead role. And before that, though, she made a number of films in Britain. She was very, very popular in England for many, many years after, um, after Star Trek and, and made a lot of films over there. And then, uh, you know, really hit it big. And I know her, um, her sister is, is a huge author, and I'm trying to remember her name, and it escapes me now. But uh, you know, between the two of them, just ridiculous amounts of uh, fame and wealth. Uh, and, and obviously, she was she was very well known for for Dynasty, and she did a few things afterwards as well. So, yeah, she 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 was a big name. Yeah, and, you know, and she still you know appears on you know I know they had the uh, the Captain's Collection Star Trek DVD. She appeared on that with Shatner, you know, talking about City on the Edge of Forever. So she's, she's still around talking about Star Trek. It was the 30th anniversary, you know, stuff like that. So. You know, some of these stars, they get so big, like, okay, I never want to talk about that again. But, you know, even though she had a lot of mainstream success, she was she was happy to talk about Star Trek. And still is, and she's still with us as well. 
So yeah, yeah, and and you know, it's it's a good story in Hollywood too. I mean, she was a very attractive woman. There's no doubt about it. And 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 she um she was able to take on that matriarch role in Dynasty. And you know, fair or unfair, there's there's not a lot of actresses that that have a lot of longevity. Once they start to age and so forth, it's it's not like the male counterparts. And she did well. I mean, she 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 continued on, graceful, mature, and uh, and and you know, I thought was always very um, very beautiful woman. But she could act. This this was, she she had a, a a great talent. Still does. And that that's one of the nice things is is the longevity. Because when you when you look through this list and you look through a lot of the names that we're going through, we're talking mostly about guys. And, you know, there were some women, you know, um, that I, I didn't mention because their careers might have been like Jill Ireland. Uh, you know, she she was a big actress back in that timeline. But, you know, after like 1973 or 74, a couple of Charles Bronson movies, nothing. You know what I mean? So it's it's nice to see that Jones had <laughs> Joan, that Joan Collins had a very long, distinguished career. So moving on to the Apple, I I pulled out a name you didn't recognize, huh, Zach? No, I, uh, David Soul. I'm not familiar with David, David Soul. Yeah, David Soul. He was big in the '70s. He was the uh, the co-star uh, along with uh, Paul Michael Glazier of Starsky and Hutch. Oh, so he was was he Starsky or was he Hutch? He was okay. Hutch. He was Ken Hutchinson. Oh, Hutchinson. Yes, he was Hutch. Yes, he was he was the blonde one. And uh, for those of us that grew up in that timeline, uh, that was it. That was a great show, a, a lot of fun. You know, they had the uh, high-powered sports car, and I'm sure you've seen the mock movie they made with uh, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. Oh, so, so David Soul was Owen Wilson. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and actually, they both showed up at the end of the movie. Remember? I never saw that. Uh, it did not interest me. <laughs> Starsky watched the movie. Oh, you never saw it. Okay. Well, you knew about it. Okay. So anyway. Yeah, they actually make cameos at the end, okay. the, the original folks. So, yeah, the movie was terrible. But the TV show was a lot of fun. And also David Soul had a, um, a number one hit single in the, in the late 70s called Don't Give Up On Us. And it's, uh, it, was, it was a pretty uh, different ballad. You know, it was, it was an okay song, I guess. But he was, he was big time. And then in the 80s, he was making a lot of movies of the weeks, which were, were popular back then. Uh, I remember one of them. Oh, you know, essentially, it was World War Three, and he played the the key role of a army officer facing off the Russians in Alaska. So, yeah, he 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 did he did very well and uh, <laughs> unrecognizable. Yeah, in I was the gonna Apple say world. even if I was familiar with Starsky and Hutch, I wouldn't. I doubt I would recognize him because you know that makeup and hair they had on the aliens there. Now he played Makura, uh, Makura who was right. probably not the main guy they were talking to with like the eyes of all with the radio antenna sticking out of him, but like probably the second or third main person <laughs> you know what, what I, yeah, he might have had three or four lines in the whole show <laughs> right. but it is it was it was kind of cool to somewhere. see that it was him that's that's right and you know a couple of uh, big actors came out of some of the worst episodes anyway <laughs> so we, we move on so the next one we have is a piece of the action are you familiar with vic tayback no i'm gonna guess he was one of the mob bosses though he was. He was. He was the the husky one, uh, with the deep voice. He was kind of the the second guy that that was brought in, okay. or, or the second uh, mob boss, and very very distinct. Anyway, uh, in in the seventies and eighties, he was part of a sitcom called um, Alice, and it was it was uh, it was made from a movie called Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. And Vic Tabak uh, played Mel from Mel's Diner, and you know that show. I don't know how many years it was on. 
it, it was just a so-so show, but he was very, very good in it. Mel Steiner from uh, uh, American Graffiti. Was that Mills in American Graffiti? I don't with, know. With, with Ron it, Howard and Clint Howard. See, it's all connected, Ken. Okay. <laughs> was the diners was Mills? I, I, I think so. so was it? Someone will let us know in the comments, I'm sure. But anyway, I'm sorry, sorry to derail your... It's been a... Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen American Graffiti in 20 years, maybe. But at any rate, <laughs> it's... it's uh, it, that, that was what he was big for. And, and you know, and again, uh, if you, um, you... You see him in Star Trek, and if you see him... Uh, you YouTube his name or or whatever. Very very distinct character actor who did did very very well for many years. Well, here's an interesting one. Uh, Charles Napier was in The Way to Eden. Uh, he played Adam, which I love. <laughs> I love the end of The Way to Eden. You know, they get there, they eat the fruit, he dies. They show up. <laughs> he has an apple in his hand. Spot Spock looks down. Spock looks down at Charles Napier's character, turns to Kirk, and says, "His name was Adam." It's like, okay, thank you. We get the biblical metaphor, right? He ate the apple, he's dead. But anyway, uh, so he played a young, you know, hippie guy uh, looking for looking for love and looking for Eden. And uh, fast forward to what he's most famous for. He's most famous for these gruff general roles. I mean, he even played that same stereotype he became in Little Green Men years later on Deep Space Nine. Uh, but he's just just an army guy. Like, I can't pinpoint. Maybe uh, maybe Rambo, I guess, would, he was would, in be, would be, the, he would be played... the one that I would gravitate towards most. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, he played that uh, uh, that that congressman or whatever in in Rambo Part Two. He was in um, Philadelphia. He played a good role there. But Austin Powers, he played a general. Okay, exactly. Uh, oh, that's that's where you that's where you're probably thinking. He also had a had a great role. I mean, he he's been in a ton of. Movies. Oh, he was he in is, Silence of the Lambs too, right? He was in oh, Silence yeah. of the Lambs. <laughs> that's right. He played the sheriff who who did not have a nice ending at all. And he was such a great character. He was such a great character in that. It wasn't a, it wasn't a, a large role, but mm-hmm. you know he had he, he he came from Kentucky. I know that, and he had a very um, an, an interesting voice, a great a great uh, speaking voice. Uh, you know that any actor would love to have. And I think that's that's why he had a lot of those parts because he was he was a big guy. But it's funny when he would go the other direction and play a softer role. He he actually pulled it off really really well, and that's that's why I remember him so well from Silence of the Lambs because I really felt bad when he he didn't make it. But at any rate, it's uh he's 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 done very well. Unfortunately, he died in two thousand eleven or two thousand. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, not 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 too long ago at all. But I used to get. Uh, it, it was him and then this this other actor that was in the first Rambo movie. Um, was it Brian Keith? Uh, I'm trying uh, to think of uh, who. Brian Dennehy. Brian, Brian Dennehy. Sh- Shelby's I used to get dad those... in real life. That, that's right. That's right. Shelby's dad in real life. And I used to get the two of them confused a lot. Same, no, but, same for uh, you because of Rambo. <laughs> because, because of Rambo. But the, yeah, they they kind of, you know, they, they had a, a similar look. Not not exactly the same, but similar. And also played a lot of the same kind of tough, authoritative characters throughout their career. So, mm-hmm. so that's Charles Nape. Well, that's going to close the book on the original series proper. We're going to move on to the movies now. Um, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Big guest star, Stephen Collins. Yeah, Stephen Collins. So, you know, um, I'll let you uh, handle this one, Ken. Yeah, what do you what do you say? I, I don't like I don't like highlighting Stephen Collins. I don't think many of us do. But in fairness to what we're what we're looking at here, he did go on to have a a pretty decent career. I mean, he wasn't an A lister by any means. And then Seventh Heaven, which was on for many many seasons, he was obviously the star of that. Right. 
with another person we're going to be talking about right. relatively soon. And then I think, you know, Persis Kahambada, who played Ilea, uh, she made, um, I think, one or two movies afterwards and then died very, very young. Yeah, she died and in it, the early 90s. So, you know, right when, you know, I mean, I guess probably about 15 years after this movie. So, I mean, I'm sure she would have had, continue to have more opportunities as life had gone on. But she was, you know, extremely young. And she was what Miss Universe, I believe, when she was in... Uh, Motion picture or, or Miss Miss India or something, you know, Miss something. <laughs> so she she yeah. was she was well known and uh, you know famous story goes her shaving her head crying about it. For, you know, but hey, uh, all kudos to her for going all the way for that part, you know, shaving her head like that because beautiful head of hair all gone. Uh, but hey, she pulled off the ball look very well. So she did. She was a very 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 attractive woman, and from what I from everything I've read about her too, just a, a very kind soul. And and I'm trying to think, she made it was like the. Um, uh, kind of like a Delta Force type movie. I think it was like the Omega something or something along those lines. It was shortly afterwards they were running around and kind of paramilitary stuff. And I, I know that was that was one role she had. Well, and then I know that from my I have to continue to pull up my obscure Superman connections. Uh, she was in the pilot for Lois and Clark, <laughs> so she was the uh, spokesperson go. for like the United Nations space station or something like that. So there you go, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. So. There it and, is. If it's Superman, Zach is on it. Uh, and so. I will say, look, if you guys are curious why we're kind of awkwardly talking about Stephen Collins, just go Google Stephen Collins. If you're not familiar with uh, relatively, you know, recent news about him, unfortunately, that has kind of, you know, put his career on the on the bricks. And, uh, you know, he's he's kind of persona non grata these days. So. He went through a very nasty divorce and some pretty incriminating things were thrown at him from way back. Uh, from his past, I guess, and so either way, it's kind of it's kind of icky. So we move on to the Wrath of Khan. So we we have actually quite <laughs> this a, few is a laundry here. list of people here on the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, you have yeah. Christy Alley, Paul Winfield, Merritt Buttrick, and BB Besh. And uh, you know, I can speak to Christy Alley. Of course, everybody knows her from Cheers. Uh, went on for years and years. She wasn't actually she was not part of the original cast of Cheers. Was she? Was she added on later? I believe was that. That's right. The deal. That's right. Okay. She took over after. Uh, the lead actress, I can't remember her name now, left, and she did great. I mean, she came in as Rebecca Howe. Somebody, somebody pulled Denise, Denise Crosby, Shelley, huh? <laughs> Shelley Long was the other actress, and I think Shelley Long um, was on it for four or five years, and the show kept going. And, and when Shelley left to to make movies and, and whatnot, it uh, her, her career just, just didn't take off as well as she thought. That happens a lot, too. You see that a lot with sitcom actors and actresses. But yeah, she she came in and just killed it. But she actually made quite a few movies too uh, before uh, that came up. I mean, she she did the the uh, the Look Who's Talking yeah, films. John Travolta. Uh, yeah, that was, that was yeah, a fun yeah, series. Were, was, I, remember, I remember watching that with my mom when I was a kid, laughing about it. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember her in Summer School, which was uh, another movie that was made with uh, the lead from NCIS, Mark Harmon. Mm. And and so she was you know, pretty 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 well known and. Then of course, you know, after after all of that, she gained a lot of weight, and she was on a show called Fat Actress for for Showtime. Or yeah, well, she's and like the spokesperson for Weight Watchers. Yeah, she was for a while. Yeah, so she's had kind of a a crazy life. And uh, you, that's for we, sure. And we both saw her at Star Trek Las Vegas uh, last yes, year. Yes, yes. One of the highlights, I think, because you know she she has not done any Star Trek conventions since you know eighty two. So uh, very, uh, very insightful and very personable and just kind of very self-aware, you know, self-depreciating humor is I always love that kind of stuff. So (laughs) that spoke to me. (laughs) I remember when she was getting an Emmy and she was trying to remember what her husband's name was. He was one of the original Hardy Boys and uh, his name escapes me. But 
yeah, if if you want to YouTube like a, a weird acceptance speech and the way she thanked her husband, it was uh, pretty pretty raw at the time, funny as hell. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think she said something. You know, I want to thank my husband for giving me the big one for all these years, and it just the whole audience was like, "What?" <laughs> she she's known for being very cavalier and very funny, uh-huh. you know, and and that that's just her way. So anyway, so so yeah, Kirsty did very very well. I would say definitely an A lister. Uh-huh. And then we go to uh, Paul Winfield, and yeah, you know, he did a lot of movies uh, in the eighties. Well, I, I know him best for. Darmok, obviously he goes on to play Darmok on TNG, so another appearance in the Trek family. Uh, and then outside of that, I know him from the Terminator, the original Terminator. There's a whole subplot that people forget about. Uh, Paul Winfield is a, is a is a cop, and so is uh, the guy from Millennium and Aliens, uh, Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> uh, that's so they right. have a little subplot there. They're like partners and cops and stuff, and uh, and they get you know they get killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. But that is what I know him best for outside of Star Trek. What what about you, Kim? What what were his great you know claims to fame outside of that? I'm trying to remember the name of the movie he was in with Harrison Ford. He played a judge, and um, Harrison Ford was a PA. In fact, uh, Brian Brian Dennehy was in it. Mm. And um, oh god, it was it was a um, it was a murder mystery. He was con- was, Harrison was it the Ford fugitive? Was... No, 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 <laughs> I no. Think, it was yeah, the I didn't fugitive. think it was. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. <laughs> I hate when things escape me like this. But it was a great movie. It was it was awesome, and um, uh, Raul Julia was in it, and and it was uh, you know it was like one of these 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 court dramas type of thing. But it was it was beyond that. Anyway, Paul Winfield uh, played played the uh, the judge in that, and he kind of turned the movie on its ear with um, you know the the way the movie the way it ended or whatever was kind of focused on him, and and it was it was it was really well done. But if you if you watch a lot of stuff from the eighties, you'll see Paul Winfield will, will pop up quite a bit. He did he did very very well, yeah, with his with career. I I think he. Uh, he left us uh, a few years back as well, if I yeah, remember Yeah, he had diabetes and he had a heart attack. And unfortunately, that, that's as, as we kind of go through the list here of our Star Trek Two stars, that's a that's an unfortunate recurring thing. A lot of them kind of died before their time. So, uh, you know, Paul Winfield uh, was in his early 60s. And uh, then we go on to Merritt Buttrick, who, who died, gosh, you know, not too long after just less than a decade after after Star Trek gave him some, uh, some mainstream success. Now, again... <laughs> Returned to Star Trek family in the, uh, the next generation. He was uh, in the episode Symbiosis at the end of season one. So uh, that, that's what I know him best for outside of Star Trek. But uh, but yeah, he uh, he had contracted AIDS and, and died not too long after all that. So Square pegs. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I screwed it. But it was it was he, he did. And like I said, it was the first show that that really went in that direction. Freaks and Geeks. Sorry, you know, Judge Apatow, I remember so that So you're telling me Judge well. Apatow stole this idea from a previous show in the 80s? Gosh. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely he did. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. It, it, he was not the first. Sorry. But it, that was still a funny show. And then B.B. Uh, Besh, yeah, actually, she was a, a pretty big star before The Wrath of Khan. She she did a lot of soap operas, and that's, that's where she was pulled from. And then, uh, you know, she... She went on to to be in a big movie with um, Nick Meyer uh, afterwards. Um, the day after, about yeah. the day after, yeah, which was a powerful, powerful movie. And 
Oof, tough to watch. Even today, it's 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 a tough, tough movie to watch. But yeah, you know, she was she was pulled into that, and she died, I believe, of cancer. At a pretty yeah, she had breast school. cancer. She died in her mid fifties. Uh, so again, much like you know, Mary Buttrick, you know, ten, fifteen years after Wrath of Khan, no longer with us. So very unfortunate. Um, and actually, she was uh, another couple movies that I recognized from. She was in Steel Magnolias. And also mm-hmm. in Tremors, um, you know, in the, in the early oh, that's 90s. Right. So. Yeah, which was a funny movie. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed that movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. so that's that's going to close the book on um, Wrath of Khan there. Another laundry list of, of celebrities from uh, Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. You get Christopher Lloyd, John Lacarette, and Miguel Ferrer. Uh, so Christopher Lloyd, what, he, was, he was famous before because of Taxi. Uh, mm-hmm. TV, and I know a lot of people's criticism of, for him playing Klingon is like, oh, all I see is Reverend Jim. Well, someone who, you know, saw Star Trek first as a kid, I never made that connection uh, for him playing a Klingon. Uh, it was tough. It was tough. It, it, I, the audience in the movie theater laughed. Um, Get out! It, it, Get out of there! <laughs> it wasn't that. It was, you know, it was when, he, when he did his speech about coming... Throughout the whole movie, you wouldn't know it was Reverend Jim until he says... I've come a long way for the power of Genesis. And it was just Reverend Jim. It was, and, you know, uh, we all laughed at it, unfortunately, you know, and I kind of cringed. I just went, oh, I don't want people laughing at Star Trek. This isn't cool. But, you know, he, he did a lot of things. He was he was a big TV actor back then. And then, of course, you know, um, Back to the Future. Well, the, the, the and, next year, which is crazy. I mean, it blew up, uh, yeah. Sir, uh, Search for Spock, 84 and you think, oh, that's Christopher, that's young Christopher Lloyd, you know, pre-Back of the Future. No, the next year, he was Doc Brown in 1985. And, and I think it throws off, I, mean, I know it threw me off, like, how old is this guy? Because they age him up, he looks a lot older in Back to the Future because he's like the old crazy scientist guy. Uh, mm-hmm. So that kind of throws off your perception of how old he is. But the next year, I mean, that's an iconic character that he still, like, reprises in, like, uh, theme park rides and commercials. And, you know, a couple years ago was the 30th anniversary, so they made a big deal with Mar- uh uh, I was going to say Marty McFly, <laughs> Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd were reprising their roles on like Jimmy Kimmel. And, and, and yeah, he's just a real talented guy, uh, Christopher Lloyd. And, you know, also uh, play, plays a great bad guy in Who Framed Roger Rabbit as Judge Doom. So just to check that out. Check he that out, guys. In, <laughs> I don't know if, you're, if you ever saw Buckaroo Banzai, but he was in that too. Uh, one of the John Big Boutes. Anyway, he, he's... Uh, yeah, he's done a ton of things. Very, very successful. So, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't say that uh, Search for Sto- Spock, excuse me, Search for Spock launched his career. But, uh, you know, it, it was right just before he took off, right? And you know, uh-huh. really became uh, more and more popular. Now, the next one is John Larroquette. Now, John Larroquette. Uh, Night Court, right? Kind of, Night Court, yeah, and 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 then he he wound up making quite a few movies uh, after that, and he was actually in Stripes a few in oh, 1980. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, he played the captain, uh, that the the one who was chasing them down in in Europe. But he was the commanding officer who was just a bumbling idiot. But anyway, that was that was the first role I remembered him from. Then you know things got quiet for him. He was in this this role as as a Klingon. I think he was the second officer. Hey, he was such a thing. The one guy left. <laughs> yeah. Choney Chu. Anyway. <laughs> Fine, I'll tell you later. <laughs> That's right. And it wasn't, it wasn't a big role, but then, then Night Court came in and, you know, then uh, obviously got connected with Brett Spiner because mm-hmm. he was big in Night Court too. But yeah, that, that, and, and Lara Kett, he, he was big in uh, Boston Legal. 
Uh, he he had a he had a pretty That's sizable right. role. As time oh, I forgot about that. I love Boston Legal. Me and my roommate used to watch it in college, and it was like, man, this is like the nineteen eighties reunion show, <laughs> you know, with all these famous actors from the eighties and early nineties, you know, everybody coming together. Not to mention all the Star Trek connections they brought in there. But there oh, was uh, a lot. I, yeah. I, I forgot Arm, that they brought him was in there. there. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Rene, Candace Bergen yep. was the main character, and it's, oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, I, mm-hmm. I completely forgot that he was on uh, Boston Legal. Good, good, good call out there, Ken. Yeah, so he's, he's he's done a lot, and then uh, Miguel Ferrer, who wasn't uh, wasn't a big role. I, I don't even know if he said anything. Yeah, he did. He was the uh, he was in the navigation station on the, the Excelsior. Uh, on the Excelsior. Yeah. yeah, and Miguel Ferrer, he he was also a, largely a character actor, a son of um, Jose Ferrer, who was was a big time Hollywood star uh, for for many many years, and. Um, you know, Miguel uh, most recently, I think, was on NCIS Los Angeles. That was his last role. But you would find him pop up uh, in a lot of movies. He was in RoboCop. Yeah, yeah, that's he what was, I think I remember him best for is RoboCop. Yeah, yeah, that pretty pretty popular in that. But he, he was always then, like a like a shady government guy. You know, like in RoboCop, he was like a corporate guy with like okay questionable intentions. But uh, most recently for me, uh, he uh, I recognize him from Iron Man Three. He was the vice president. Who was uh you know, again had shady deals going on under the table? So that that seems to be a recurring trend. Like okay, we we need we need kind of a shady guy. He looks trustworthy, but he's got stuff going on on the table. Let's get Miguel Ferrer in here. So, <laughs> well, you know, he was also you know huge, huge successful movie called Hot Shots Part Two <laughs> <laughs> as a as a as a Navy SEAL or an Army Ranger, a Special Forces guy who just could kill. Um, and and you know then he finds his mojo again and kills. Lots and lots well, of bad guys. But, but, but anyway. before before we move on, again, I I must again <laughs> bring up my obscure Superman or comic book references. Uh, there is a TV pilot for Justice League of America. It's from I believe 1997. It's garbage. It's one of the worst things ever put to film. But anyway, <laughs> Miguel Ferrer plays the main bad guy, the Weather Wizard. <laughs> The Weather Wizard. The Weather Wizard. He's the main bad guy. The Justice League of America. By the way, there's no Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, uh, or Martian. Oh, no, actually, there's Martian Manhunter in this. But it's uh, played by David Ogan Steers, who goes on to be in Star Trek and was in MASH. So it's all connected, Ken. But anyway... I had to. I kept it. I should have made that a game, like try to <laughs> the six degrees of Superman or something. But that was when I was like, Miguel Ferrer is in this. Does he like have a have a summer home he's trying to pay for? What is he in this movie for? But anyway, it just really threw me off seeing him that. So and you know, as we said, he he passed away recently as well. So rest in peace. Very recently, you know? yeah, this year, right? Yeah. Okay, and then we go to um, the voyage home. I, Catherine Hicks, who we mentioned, uh, you know, was with uh, Stephen Collins in Seventh Heaven for for many years. She was also in the Chucky films. Oh, that's, yeah, she uh, was the mom in the Chucky films. Yeah, which which, <laughs> which scared me so much when I was a kid. That is unsettling. Do not let your kids watch that until they're like thirteen, guys. There's a reason that is scary stuff. So. so when you watch Monday Night Football with John Gruden, do you still get nervous? <laughs> Good call. Yeah, he does. He does, really does look like Chucky. I'm gonna say. Um, oh yeah, he does. Yeah. But what what a missed opportunity not to get William Shatner on Seventh Heaven. I mean, you had Stephen Collins, you had Catherine Hicks. I mean, it's like, this is a Star Trek movie, the TV show, right? So, just saying. I'm um, Shatner was making TV appearances back then. He was, what, was he doing Rescue 911 around that time? So, they could have they got him on there. Even Boston Legal, even, you know? 7-7 ran for a long time, so. <laughs> it ran for a real long time. <laughs> those kids, you yeah. see how those kids grow from, like, pre-prevescence to, like, getting married themselves, so. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I can't say I, I saw it very often, but I caught it a few times just because of the Star Trek connection. And you know, back then, anyway, before we knew 
that Stephen Collins was kind of a interesting character that uh, you know it was it was fun to watch just because I like seeing them together. It right. just just reminded me of of two movies that I that I really liked a lot. Uh, the other actor that was big in The Voyage Home, I mean, he had a small role, but a very powerful role, was John Shuck, and he played the Klingon ambassador. And John Shuck uh, was, was big in the, in the 80s in general. He, um, Starfleet he had, violations, it, this is outrageous! Mm-hmm. He, he, he did a, a lot of TV shows. Um, he played a robot uh, police <laughs> partner. It was a terrible show, but it really? lasted for... yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a sitcom, and he played a robot. And you know, you would you would see him pop up every now and then. And again, he he reprised his role, I think, in Star Trek Six. Correct. Yeah. He was back. Yeah, but uh, John Shuck, big big character actor. Um, you know, if you I uh, IMDb him, you'll you'll see that that he's got a lot of credits to his name, mostly in the TV genre area. I wouldn't say Star Trek, the uh, the Voyage Home, made his career by any means, but he really got a lot of accolades for that that small role well, as you said and, I mean, uh, it was a short role but he made a huge impression so he did and and i think you know for a lot of us that knew him from you know, the kind of the the sitcoms that he did back then surprised at at, at his ability and he really pulled it off so well, i know him as well from returning of his <laughs> superman connections and hey he comes back in later star trek he played a cardassian in d space nine i believe it was in the maquis uh, two-parter on D-Space 9. He was a Cardassian official that comes to the station, talks to the crew there. So he did return to Star Trek, as many of these stars do. Yes, they do. You can't get away. You can't get away. Um, the final frontier, I really had nothing. Oh, oh there, oh, there <laughs> is one, my friend. Uh, George Murdoch, okay? Well, I, I, yeah, he's there. Uh, and, and he's there because, guess what, guys? He was a guest star on Smallville. Season one, episode six, uh, Hourglass. He plays a he plays a uh, well spoilers a serial killer <laughs> who gets released from jail and released to a nursing home, and then he falls into a a lake with kryptonite in it. And because his lecture his his lecture his wheelchair is electric, he gets electrocuted, and the catalyst of that causes him to age backwards uh, into the guy from uh, Dumb and Dumberer, whose name escapes me, but the. <laughs> <laughs> and it should if you've actually seen that movie uh, uh, I'm a Jim Carrey fan you know so yeah but anyway um, Dumb and Dumber wasn't he wasn't in, I know it was the prequel when Harry met Lloyd um, but anyway all that being all that being <laughs> said way too much way too much trivia I shouldn't know going on right now but anyway George Murdoch uh, famous for stuff he was in a Twilight Zone episode uh, back in the back in the day even before this he was in the, the dummy he played the dummy when the dummy became a person it's only one scene but you know kind of creepy um, he was in Smallville and then of course he again returning guest star to Star Trek he played Admiral Hansen and the best of both worlds two-parter on Next Generation well George Murdoch if you you know you see him as Admiral Hansen I remember when he was in uh, when, when that showed up in Best of Both Worlds and I saw him I was like god this guy's been in everything <laughs> he has he has been in pretty much if there was a TV show that needed a heavy or whatnot he was in it usually played a cop he was very good at that uh, he played the doctor for the first season of Battlestar oh, Galactica you're right. he, the only, he was yeah. in that yeah even John Collins too yeah okay gotcha got it yeah yeah oh yeah yeah so I mean he has been around and, and it just goes back and you know when we're putting this together and I, I was like well George Murdoch he, he's been around you know and I saw I saw the picture of him and I went oh my god it, you know six million dollar man he goes back to the 60s wow. he's 
Yeah, he, he was he was big. And and if you look at his line of credits, it's like the guy has been working nonstop his whole career. So good on him. So that's why I was saying, well, there wasn't anybody that kind of got relatively unknown or just kind of breaking through for, for the final frontier. In fact, you know, you would never know it was him. The voice, very indistinguishable, the makeup, the whole nine yards, but did a, did a great job, I thought. And um <laughs> in a very tough role in a, in a in a pretty rough movie, but at any rate, yeah, George Murdoch, big, big, big. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say big. Maybe very long and very successful career defined as you know working actor. So, and I'll say this before we leave Star Trek Five. I think Lawrence Luckenbill did a great job as Cybok. And I think I think it's unfortunate that he's kind of thrown under the bus with the rest of the, you know, the negative thoughts about that movie. You know, I, I think he was good, you know, and, and people say, oh, we should have gotten Sean Connery. I think that would have been distracting. I think Lawrence Luckable did fine <laughs> for the role. I mean, really, Sean or Spock, I'm your brother. Like, you really want that going on in Star Trek? It's just it's too distracting. So, Sean Connery. So, anyway. Yeah, hey, good good swings at those. I, I agree. Lawrence Luckable is a big stage actor, right? He was he was known for, for, for LBJ and playing that role, and that's I think that's how he was discovered by Shatner and, uh, and and pulled in and I've seen him in in different movies he's shown up as a dad a few times in different different uh, I, I, mean, I can't remember off the top of his head but he's very you know you see him and you go ah cyborg and you know it's he me. did a great it's yeah. cyborg <laughs> I think he I agree with you his his acting was fine I mean it was it was it certainly wasn't because of him that the movie wasn't wasn't successful that's for sure so I agree with you Okay. The Undiscovered Country. Are we ready? We are ready. Okay. First one here, uh, pretty popular, I think, at this time, had a very minor role, was uh, Christian Slater, who I guess was lobbying hard to to be on the set. And uh, he was on the Excelsior, wakes up Captain Sulo. But Christian Slater back then was, was big. Um, he was in all kinds of teen movies. And, you know, he, he went on. I, I, his career kind of fell i guess yeah i don't um, i don't know what he's most famous for i mean of course i know who christian slater is and he's just one of these stars like oh yeah christian slater and then you think what do i know him from <laughs> he's just around he's in stuff right <laughs> yeah i mean from i mean it was with travolta and broken arrow and that was that was a pretty big role at the time and you know he he, he would pop up like i said in, in a lot of those 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 teen action movie type things and um, he was in a movie fairly recently that took place in New Orleans. You know, kind of made a uh, a comeback, so to speak. And so he, he's around. I know his his mother was a famous casting uh, director in Hollywood. So that's not a bad person to have for a mom if you're trying to be an actor in Hollywood, by the way. But uh, yeah, it, it, and again, you know, very very um, very distinct voice uh, in. Uh, I'm trying to think. He, he he did another one where it was a he was a radio guy um, doing a I can't remember the name. But well, anyway. I mean, he he was in a couple of failed TV shows in recent years. One like it was a, kind of like a Doctor Jackal, Mister High, but he was a doctor, and it was like so terrible, like they canceled it after like eight episodes or something. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, his his heyday really was the early '90s. Because I mean, I was thinking like, what is he from? Okay, he was in Interview with the Vampire. He was in yeah, Robin yeah. Hood. Yeah, he was in True Romance. So, I mean, he was in a lot of stuff, much like some of these stars we were talking about in the 60s. Like, they're in Star Trek. They hit it big right after, and then they kind of, mm-hmm. like, faded off as time has gone on. I feel like that's the way. But, hey, he's not even 50 yet. I mean, Christian Slater was really young when he got famous. So, I feel like there's plenty of time for him to have a, you know, like a Matthew McConaughey McConaissance. We can have a Slater-sance <laughs> at some point, right? <laughs> Sometimes they do come full circle, especially with all the different venues you have now with Netflix and Amazon. Absolutely. And all that. Yeah, you would you would think you would have a pretty good shot. So 
We'll see. Uh, the other person from the Undiscovered Country, and she was popular uh, when she was cast for this, but became much more popular as time went on, was Kim Cattrall. So uh, she was, you know, Porky's was was a was a movie she was she was famous I for. I forgot but that Matt, she was in Porky's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she played the uh, the cheerleader who who howled, and uh, you she, had she was in Mannequin, that movie mannequin, with the mannequin. That's what I was going to say. That's right. <laughs> so kind of you know, very, what a great resume. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she she was always known for you know the risque roles and and whatnot, and that's that's kind of what she took on. I know she was in a, a movie with Christopher Reeve as well. You know Superman, right? Um, was she? Mm, was it Village of the Damned? That would be the only no, one I can no, think no. of. No, no, no. It was one when he was in a wheelchair. Oh, and, then uh, uh, Rear Window, the remake. I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, where you know he, you're he, calling out my Superman knowledge. I got to defend myself now. So <laughs> yeah, she he, yeah she was um, the wife, and and he you know was was in a wheelchair, and turns out you know he was he was faking his. Um, he was faking his 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 handicap, so to speak. Are you, are you and, sure about this? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I remember it. I I'm remember not. It well. Somebody let us know in the comments if Kim Cattrall was in the movie with Christopher Reeve. I, I, I doubt this. I think I would have thought of found that before, but maybe you're right, Ken. You, I, there's no maybe about it. Okay, it's fact. He was in it. <laughs> she was his wife, and that's that's the way it All was. Right, he's and gone. Ken has now gone on the record, guys. So we'll see. Yeah, this is this is absolutely true. I just wish I could remember the name of the movie and put it, <laughs> put it to bed. But at any rate, she obviously Sex in the City is where you know she became uber popular right yeah uh, we, we in, mentioned in sarah jessica and, parker earlier this is the connection there i mean that that show that's right uh crazy success on hbo two movie spinoffs now i mean it's you know everybody knows sex in the city yeah yeah and and she obviously played the the wild one as she always tends well, and that, to and that's what so i guess that is her personal <laughs> yeah yeah that's what's impressive about her playing a vulcan the complete opposite right that's right that's right and she did it she did a great job as well Aris, too it was a, a, a great role and uh, you know she's 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 part of the Star Trek family. I guess uh, probably popular enough where she's not doing conventions or anything. That'd be interesting to find out if she ever did because uh, well, the twenty fifth anniversary was around that time. That would have been a time to pull her in if they had the opportunity. But uh, I'll have to look that up. So yeah, well, you know, as creation keeps looking for more and more guests, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, it was like, I don't know how many they have going to Las Vegas this year. A hundred some odd. You know, seventy two of them I don't recognize, but that's okay. You know, the rest of them is fine. But they 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 do their thing. But yeah, she would be be interesting to have Kim Cattrall, Robin Curtis, and uh, Kirstie Alley all together. <laughs> the Savage <That'd> panel. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. All right, I think we're ready to go into the reboots real quick. The Kelvin timeline. Let's do it. Star Trek 09, Chris Hemsworth uh, played Kirk's father on the USS Kelvin, and he was relatively unknown. Yeah. I, I, I didn't recognize him when I, when I saw the movie, and obviously his career has uh, you know, obviously gone pretty big with the, uh, with the character Thor in, in the Marvel Universe, and he's done, he's done other movies as well, but I think that's probably the most popular one, but he is definitely a... Uh, an A-list star today. Yeah, th- this would, guy is the epitome of, of what we're talking about. I mean, this, he's in, even if the movies aren't that successful, you know, uh, like, uh, it seems like he's in all these movies, and he's a huge movie mm-hmm. star. He has the most success playing Thor in all the Marvel movies, and I, I love his performance of Thor. It's, he's hilarious. Right? He's just, <laughs> it's, he's just a great comedic time. He's perfect, you know, even though he's a superhero, it's, 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 it's not a comedy. It's, it is funny. So, uh, the fish out of water stuff, so good with Thor. But, uh, I mean, most of his other movies have not really caught on with people like uh, who's in the movie Black Hat, where he's a hacker. I'm like, yeah, like this guy's a, a computer hacker. Give me a break. Uh, 
Heart of the Sea. It was the uh, based off the uh, real story of Moby Dick. Kind of fell one of, one of my flat. favorite books, by yeah. the way. Uh, so yeah, did you, I, did you I, see I, the film? What did you think? I, I haven't, and it's one of those things where the book was so great, and and Nathaniel Philbrick, who's who's written some great books, uh, all you know, uh, historical and accurate. Uh, phenomenal author if if you like reading those things about you know heart of the sea or the 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 US expeditions and so forth and explorations back in the day just just incredible he wrote a great book on general custer uh, that that's fascinating uh, there's my tangent again <laughs> heart of the sea for whatever reason um when it when it came out it was it was supposed to come out it was supposed to be a summer launch a, a blockbuster type movie and they kept pushing it back that was a ron howard film as you said and then it got it got pushed sometime around christmas and I was afraid to see it because I was like, if it wasn't good, enough, and it was very obscure, it didn't mm-hmm. do well. So I know it was a very expensive movie to make. So I, I will catch it eventually, but uh, it's one of those things where sometimes the book is so good, you're you're almost concerned to see the movie. I don't no. know if that makes any sense to you, but that's no, no. I totally understand. I, I sometimes I I try, I I usually try to read you know, a book uh, before I see like a, a TV show or a movie based off. Of like like they have the uh, the man in the high castle right now. I read that book and now I can watch the show. And I want to read mm-hmm. eleven twenty two sixty three, the Stephen King book, before I watch the miniseries, just so I have some perspective, you know. Uh, but sometimes that's <laughs> maybe you like the show better if you didn't know all the stuff they had to leave out. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, yeah, well, there's there's occasions too where the movie's better than the book, right? I mean, if you ever read, if, again, we go back to Jaws. If you ever read the novel, it oh, was really yeah, kind of a very different. Was, very different. Great prem- The premise was the same, but a lot of it didn't make a lot of sense, and a lot of stupid affairs and say- silly things. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was an okay novel, but its premise was so unique, uh, you know. And they bought it so quick, and the, of course, the movie made the novel even more popular. So it's just one of those things. But it, it, that's rare. Usually, the, the the books, because of the amount of detail you can put in them, are much better than the the movies. But uh, you know, back to. Chris Hemsworth, he, they, they have tried to start many franchises with him. He, he's getting close to like Ryan Reynolds territory where it's like, hey, he's just not sticking. He works as a superhero, but outside of that, you know, uh, Ryan Reynolds, he's found his, his you know, moneymaker in Deadpool. Chris Hemsworth has found his moneymaker in Thor, but movies like, you know, Snow White and Huntsman, I mean, they tried to spin mm-hmm. a franchise out of that. They got a couple movies, but uh, I think the first one obviously made enough to make a sequel. Uh, that was actually one that Hugh Jackman was going to be in that he dropped out of that Chris Hemsworth replaced him in. Um, and now one movie I do, I have not seen, but I've heard it's really good is Rush. A race car movie. Uh, oh, I haven't seen Rush. So yeah, that that is a it. Ron Howard, uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth team up as well. So um, anyway, uh, and he he's you know no no sign of slowing down. I think that you know Marvel Cinematic Universe is going to keep going. He's going to keep playing Thor and and uh, and we'll see where he goes. But yeah, this is exactly what we're talking about. Like Star Trek got this guy right before he he blew up real big. So and and just like George Kirk did in the movie. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. You know, my my wife has an, um, a huge comic book movie. Uh, go or any of that stuff but funny when thor comes out she kind of wants to see those movies <laughs> i can't imagine why i just said you know honey just picture me with long hair that doesn't seem to do it so anyway can i say <laughs> uh, so moving on to uh star trek into darkness uh benedict cumberbatch now this guy uh really popular in the united kingdom um obviously playing sherlock, sherlock. um mm-hmm. now but he is he has permeated pop culture now he's everywhere now, isn't he, Ken? He is. He is everywhere. And I, I think, you know, you can't deny that, that Into Darkness was extraordinarily successful. It was the most successful of the three reboot movies. And, oh, and the irony of it all. <laughs> the irony of it all. And, you know, you, you'll, you'll find people that, that saw that movie with no Star Trek connections and absolutely loved it and loved him. You know, he, 
He has a, a, a great uh, acting uh, capability and a, and a great voice. And you know what? He has dyna- uh, a dynamic capability as well. I don't know if you saw Black Mass, but he played um, Bulger, not uh, Billy Bulger, not, not Whitey Bulger, uh, opposite Johnny Depp. I did, yeah. And he, and he was uh, just a New York kind of guy. Like, I was I was very impressed. Boston. Yeah. Boston. Oh, excuse me. Well, North, see, it's all the same to me here in Texas. So it's the Northeast. It's like the, the that blue corner of the U.S. up there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, Texas and Arkansas are exactly the same to me. Oh, I say, okay, all right, touche. I see your point, good sir. <laughs> you know. I stand corrected. <laughs> no, you're right though. Uh, Black Black Mass was a really good film, and uh, that's that's probably um, the 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 thing I've seen the most of outside of like a genre thing. Because he's in Lord of the Rings, he's in Doctor Strange, he's in Star Trek, he's in Sherlock Holmes, and I count all those as genres. And Black Mass is just like, hey, here's Benedict Cumberbatch in like a normal movie playing a part and not being like they didn't hire him because he's been a dick cumber batch and he has this intimidating voice and this presence that works in these genre films you know what i'm saying so i i, I agree with you on, on black mass for sure yeah and i wasn't sure why in doctor strange they didn't allow him to keep his his accent it, it, you know because it's such a great voice very di- distinct and distinguished and i i understand it's a it's an american character i guess but Man, it, it was it was one of those things, but it it shows that that he could pull it off, no problem. And and we knew that from Black Mass that you know he 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 speaks very well and whatever. It's kind of like Hugh Jackman, you know. Right. He, all of a sudden, the Aussie's gone. So he's he's a very talented actor, very distinguished voice, uh, great great presence. That's the thing. I mean, dang, um, you know, he's not a very big guy. He's kind of a skinny guy, but yet his presence is, you know, as far as. Jonathan Harris, let's say slash Khan. John Harrison. Uh, John Harrison. You make them. You make them mistake a lot. I actually. say all that time. I always say Jonathan, don't I? <laughs> Jonathan, yeah. Harrison. Jo- Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan Harris. Jonathan Harris versus John Harrison. Harrison. Jonathan yeah. Harris anyway, is the guy that it. played Doctor Smith on Lost in Space. Yes, he did. He certainly did. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, the pain, the pain. Anyway, uh, just he he did a great job in that role for what it was. I thought he just. Yeah. If 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 it was just another character, it would have been so much better. Uh-huh. And uh, he, he he he. I really thought he was, uh, you know, one of the one of the few bright parts of the film. Actually, was was his acting ability. He was one badass, no doubt about it. Okay, and then I didn't come up with anybody in Beyond that I thought so far had been made popular. Maybe. Well, Sophia Batella, they're trying to. So Sophia's coming uh, around because yeah. the Mummy, but that was a huge. Dead on arrival at the box office. Uh, wasn't a big part, was it? I mean, well, she wasn't. She was uh, the mummy in the mummy. So, I mean, I'm just saying. Okay, so she had the <laughs> role. The I guess. Yes, Tom Cruise is in it. They came over Tom Cruise movie, as I understand it. That's part of the problem. I I loved the Brendan Fraser mummies, and I wasn't really too hot on this movie to begin with. But I was like, ah, eh, maybe I'll go check it out. And then the reviews were just awful. And I'm like, well, I'm... did you see it? No, I didn't. So. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I didn't see it either. Uh, but you know, she is in the Kingsman movies. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, that, that's another franchise that she's involved in yeah. and, uh, hopefully that goes well for her because, uh, you know, I, th- I think she was great as Jayla and Star Trek Beyond. She was and, great. And I oh, hope she comes phenomenal. back, right? That's what we're all hoping for, for her to come back and, and fill the, uh, the checkoff role that's unfortunately been left vacant for, uh, all the movies moving forward, so. And I guess we got the, the Idris Elba connection with Chris Hemsworth, right? In, in uh, Thor, Thor yeah, he was Himdall, yeah. uh, and Thor, yeah, and Idris Elba was already yeah. a big star before he was in Star big Trek, star, so, yeah. 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 he's done a lot of stuff be- before this movie, so. so yeah, yeah. I, 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 I did, you know, we'll have to see if there's any more of these, uh. Uh, these highly made up younger junior officers that we did see in, in Star Trek come along. No, but, the, uh, yeah. uh, and I, I don't know his name of the actor or the character. 
Uh, but the most interesting man in the world, Dos Equis, he was a red shirt on Star Trek uh, back in the day. I don't know what episode. I'm sure someone out there knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but there you go. There's a guy who everybody knows <laughs> these days who wasn't the original series. Back then. I just thought of that just now. And he didn't die either. So, I mean, there you go. The most interesting man in the world. A red shirt on Star Trek doesn't die. Completely fits the MO of that guy. Wasn't so. he just walking through a corridor or something? Da, da, he was there, Ken. He was there. It. He was on the set, on stage nine. Come on. Well, that does make him pretty interesting. He's so, done it all, then. He's done it all. we got to get him on standard orbit. That's what we need to do. So If I can remember his mm-hmm. name, maybe I'll <laughs> go look it up and see what he wants to do. But anyway, yeah, that, that, was, that was a fun kind of trip down a, you know, actor's past and actor's present and actor's future there. And we didn't, this was by no means an encyclopedic uh, overview of everything. We obviously, you know, uh, skipped over a lot of people. As Ken said, we were trying to zero in on people that were like, yeah, these are bona fide stars and that everyone would recognize uh, of their era and even beyond their era. So, I mean, uh, bottom line, Star Trek has a a long line of successful talent uh, coming through or just getting started here. And it's, it's a it's a proud tradition in the franchise that hopes uh, that hope continues as, as the franchise continues. If Earl Grey... If Earl Grey does this same subject, uh, I think it would have to be a two or three parter. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's so many people that got their start in in TNG from from '87 to '94 that it's 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 a very long list, and obviously a lot of those same stars or guest stars were were in the were in Voyager and Deep Space Nine as well, and some of them in Enterprise. But yeah, they they have a very long list on the TNG side of the house, and I, I, I'd love to hear them take on a, a similar tasking, but I don't think they could pull yeah. it off in one episode. <laughs> Pace yourselves, guys. <laughs> Previously Pace on yourself, yeah, yeah. The orb. That launched uh, a lot it, of It's kind of weird no if doubt. you walk into Picard's ready room. All right, well, and, talking about know, Star Trek guest stars, this isn't the John only thing being discussed on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere. On the that network. would be really, really <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> Oh, man, that's bringing it back right there. I can totally see him listening to the Pieces album. To the journey! But imagine how much his big black eyes would have popped if he was wearing the blue face paint. Nice, Trey. <laughs> like a bullion. <laughs> I didn't realize the bullions were Scottish, but, you know. Bullions could be Scottish. Meta Trex. Trip is just absolutely fascinated with the pan-fried catfish that this replicator can make, and... Archer doesn't want anything to do with it. He's pushing back against it. He doesn't He doesn't trust. What is it, like a Trojan catfish or something? <laughs> the ready room. And that makes you wonder, what does the Federation do when a member world shifts in that way and starts to take on characteristics that go against the foundation of the Federation charter in the first place? Yeah, is there some sort of process for like removing a world from the Federation? If they go too far from Federation norms and values and ideals, I think so. I think I think they hold a Fexit vote. So <laughs> they decide that they are going to leave the Federation. Yeah, this is Stratos though. It might be a Strexit vote. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on Trek FM slash contact. 
and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and of course in the Babel Conference type. Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at Trek FM and click Discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon slash Trek FM, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Trek FM, you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit. We have Renee Roberts, Norman Lau, Aaron Harvey, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod. Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Stand Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so, Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you? Hey, you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference and engaging people when I, when I have the opportunity. You can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at BostonSCPO. And we, uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it, as, lo- as well as our colleagues. So look for me there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. Standard Orbit.